I don't think we'll ever understand just what was going through the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ and God when he decided he was going to come down and die for us. I don't think we'll understand the capacity of his love until we get to glory. And um, you think about that, like who you're actually going to see in glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who created everything, the one who made everything. By him all things consist. The Bible says without him was not anything made that was made. It was, it was all by him. And we get all worked up over athletes and famous people and celebrities and all those people. Tom Brady, Tom who? Amen? When you compare it to Jesus Christ, the one who made the stars also, and then you're going to compare that to a football player? I've met some, I've met some uh, famous people before. I, I met the comedian Tim Hawkins, um, and I guess he's famous in the Christian world. Um, you know, and you get those, that, the butterflies in your stomach, and you're just like, oh, man, I'm meeting someone that I've seen on YouTube for all my life. And then you meet him, and it's like, okay, he's just a normal person. Yeah. Uh, he's not normal. Uh, he's he's kind of weird, but... Um, but you meet him, and then, you know, that feeling goes away, but... It's nothing compared to when you're going to meet Jesus Christ. Amen. And to know that he knows everything about you. He loves you anyway. He died for you. And that's, that's a blessing. So, all right. I have, um, before we start, I do have uh, something that I thought was kind of humorous um, about kids and how they say things uh, or what, what their views are of certain things in the Bible. And um, here, here's some of their thoughts. So a Christian should only have one spouse. They said a Christian should only have one spouse. This is called monotony. <laughs> Lot's, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day, but a ball of fire by night. <laughs> Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. <laughs> the seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery. <laughs> Solomon had 300, <laughs> Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. <laughs> and I think the porcupines would be better than the wives, <laughs> honestly. Uh, Moses died before he ever reached Texas. <laughs> then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of uh, Geritol. Um, Geritol? Yeah, I'm not sure. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, Moses led the Hebrews to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread without any ingredients. That's a good one. The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. <laughs> All right, go, go to the book of Acts chapter 19 if you want to stand. All right, Acts chapter number 19. All right, let's look at verse, um, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over, over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure, the, adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priest, which did so. 
And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on, on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. And many that believed came, believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. That's about $5 million today. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Brother Tom Combs, will you pray for us tonight? Amen. You may be seated. And here, this is a uh, interesting passage of scripture. We're not going to be here um, all night or anything like that. But um, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, there's still transitions going on. There's still some things where, for sake of time, we're not going to discuss the doctrinal applications to this. But there's um, uh, Paul is in Asia Minor, and then there's some people here that. Um, it says they, they fled out of that house naked and wounded after they tried to, tried to do some of the same things that Paul was able to do. Um, and it says here that there was, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. There were some things going on where there were, I, I believe there were saved Christians that were in. Uh, it says that uh, some of them that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds and um, they, they brought their books and all the things that they had prob- uh, before they were saved, and they burned all of those things. And it says here in verse number 20 is where I, I really wanted to uh, springboard off of. It says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You see, there was an atmosphere there of those people that uh, when Jesus Christ was magnified, the word of God grew. And it's just like that in, in church. Um, if Jesus Christ is magnified in this church, if he's lifted up in, in his rightful position, then there's going to be some growth. And you know what? That's what I want to talk about tonight is, is Christian growth. Um, and, and some Christians, you know, they're, they're like these, uh, the sons of, of the uh, vagabond Jew here, um, or the chief priest, and, and they think that they, sometimes we think that we could do things that, that other Christians that have been in the game a little bit longer can do. And sometimes you got to realize that you're, you're growing. Right? The Bible says to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, if you're honest with yourself, you want to grow, right? You don't want to stay the same. I don't, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, if you go to the gym um, and you start working out, you know, you want to see results. You want to you want to see uh, some some muscles being toned and and different things like that. Uh, if you go, if I went to the gym and paid you know a certain amount of money to go to the gym each month and nothing ever happened, I was getting trained by a trainer and nothing was changing, then there'd be something wrong. There's no no growth. 
and uh, go over to First, First uh, Corinthians chapter three. So it says, "So mightily grew the word of God." You know what? As Christians, we ought to be growing. There ought to be signs of, of growth. Um, I don't know. It, it, did anyone, when they were a kid, they had the marker um, on, their, on their wall next to their bedroom or whatnot, and they marked each year how, how much they were growing? Um, you know, and that should be us as, as Christians. You know, we, we get saved, and we, we, we put that marker out there, and uh, year by year we could, or we could examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, like the Bible says, to, to um, look at those things, and we could see how far we've grown. And... Um, you know, there's uh, my uh, my aunt Julie. She uh, she was mentally handicapped. I forget exactly what it was that she had, but basically her brain stopped developing and stopped growing at a certain age. It was about four, five years old, and you know she was a 42, 43 year old woman uh, with the brain of a five year old, and she would have seizures all the time and. You know, it, it, it happened. We went over there quite often, and she would have a seizure, multiple seizures, every time we went over there. And uh, we had a funny name for it. They called it bopping. So she would she'd be eating some food, and she just her face would just go right into the... And it's not, you know, it sounds bad, but, I mean, it happened so much that it really, you know, we got so used to it. Like, oh, Julie's bopping again. You know, it's like, could you keep it down? I'm trying to eat. <laughs> um, but but her, her brain stopped growing. There was, there was something wrong with development. It was some, it, there was no progress there. Um, she ended up passing away, and um, she had a seizure and fell over the, the bathtub, and um, I believe it was her liver ruptured, and uh, she passed away. And, you know, it, that, that wouldn't have happened, and there's no one to blame for that. You could see God's hand all through that situation, for sure. There's no one to blame, but... If she would have had been developed, if her brain would have been, she wouldn't have had that seizure that caused her to die. And, um, and like I said, there's no one to blame there. Um, you know, just like the, the man that was blind, they said, Who, who'd send his, his mom or his dad or his parents or whatever? And he said, no, it's, it's that there, there would be glory to God from that. Um, but for sake of, uh, of this point, there was no growth. Um, and I looked it up, and, and, you know, there's a lot of children that have, have growth disorders and things like that. I looked up the number one reason for growth disorders in the entire world is malnutrition. It's not, it's not genetic. It's not, you know, there's, there's some cases like that, but most of it is because of malnourishment. You know, in, in the Christian life, uh, the, the signs of, of you not growing, the stunted growth, um, is going to be because you're not getting fed right or you're not allowing yourself to eat. You know, you go to the gym uh, again and um, you're, you're working out, you know, three, four, five times a day and you're not seeing any results. But have you ever checked out what your diet's like at home? Because the diet is going to be the biggest thing. It, it, you know, working out and things like that, that's, that's secondary. If your diet's messed up, if you're not eating properly, then you're not going to see the results that you need to see. Um, but, but there's some, you know, it's mal, malnourishment. Um, there's a lot of Christians in today's age that are, there's no growth and uh, they're malnourished and, and they're, look, they're sickly and they're not, there's, there's no growth at all. First um, Corinthians chapter 1, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 3. 
And here the Apostle Paul, he's talking to the church at Corinth. And uh, the first thing I want you to notice, there's, there's three, three things I want you to notice tonight, and I'll give them to you right now. Um, stunted, there's stunted growth, and then there's uh, certain stages of growth, and then there's a significance of growth. And um, I say tonight that if you don't have a desire to grow, then you need to check out yourself. You need to examine yourself. If you don't have a desire to grow, you should always have that desire to grow, even if you're not doing right. There's always that desire, man, I shouldn't be where I'm at right now. There was, um, there was someone that, you know, a couple that used to come to this church, and um, his wife came up to me one day, and she was, it was the day we were having communion, and she's like, yeah, uh, you know, my husband hasn't taken communion in years um, because he doesn't feel like he's living right. And you know, I was just thinking to myself, you know, if you, if you know you're not living right, what, why aren't you doing anything about it? Instead of coming to, coming to communion every time that we have it and not taking communion, and I admit that you know, communion is a serious thing, but you ought to be examining yourself. That's the time to examine yourself, but instead you, you get comfortable living how you want to live, um, and there's no growth, and you're just you're sitting in church. You're sitting in one of the, the best, the greatest churches, I'd say, in Ohio, um, and you know, I'm, I might be biased, but in the whole world, to me, <laughs> um, and you could sit in this church uh, week after week, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and for years and not grow at all. And that's a shame. Because it's not, it's not anything that's coming from the teaching up here and the preaching up here. You're getting good, solid preaching and teaching. You're going to the Bible studies on Thursday nights. There's things going on all the time. There's revival services. There's no reason why you shouldn't be growing. There's no reason why you shouldn't be growing. But here uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's stunted growth. It says in verse number 1, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers, by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? So Paul here, he's, he's rebuking the church at Corinth, and if you study out what the, this is one of the worst churches in your Bible, is the church at Corinth. This church uh, bragged about having the most spiritual gifts. They were, they were very well gifted. Um, but they were also the most carnal church. And just because you have spiritual gifts and just because you have things, uh, talent, and you have all these different things for, going for you, it doesn't mean that you're, you're not able to be carnal. Uh, you still have that, that ability. Um, but he wanted to, Paul wanted to show them something. He wanted, to, he wanted to give them something that's been on his heart. And he said, he's like, you know what, I couldn't even speak. I, I spoke unto you as, as carnal. As unto babes in Christ, because you weren't able to handle what I was going to have. This church had been around for eight years already. And Paul was saying, you know what, there's some things that I want to show you. There's, there's a higher plane for you to be on. There's somewhere else that you ought to be. You ought to be growing in Jesus Christ. But now we have to backtrack because I can't even say the things that I was going to say to you because of your carnality. And it says, you're, you're yet carnal. You know what the church is filled with, and maybe, you know, hopefully not this church, but the church in general, 
um, in this time that we're living is full of carnal Christians. I didn't say worldly Christians, carnal Christians. There's a, there's a difference between the two. And um, if we have time, we'll get into that later. But they were, they were carnal. And we think carnality, what do you think of? You know, instantly you think of you know, drinking, smoking, uh, cussing, all those different things that, that uh, you know, men will, will come up with and uh, things that men see on the outside. But that's, none of that is mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says here, for you are yet carnal in verse number 3, whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? There's envying, strife, and divisions. That's a sign of carnality. You envy anyone tonight? You take a good look at yourself. Do you, do you envy anyone tonight? Is there any strife going on? Is there any division going on in the body of Christ? And surely in a crowd this size, there's, you know, there, there used to be a time, as this church was growing, that there was some envy and some strife and some division. And this was, this was a long time ago, but there used to be that stuff. But you know what? We could look back and say, man, this church has grown. This church has grown past those things. Every church is going to face that at one point or another. But it's a matter of listening to the Word of God and getting the thing right, getting the thing under the blood, and moving on and growing in Jesus Christ. But it says here, for you are yet carnal, envying, strife, divisions, and also, they, they started to compare themselves among each other. They said, well, you know, someone once said, I am of Paul. Paul, um, you know, he led me to the Lord, and Paul's this great preacher, and I just like the way that he delivers his messages, and I like this, and I like that about him. And other people were saying, well, I'm, a, I'm of Apollos. Uh, he led me to the Lord, and he did this, 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 and, and I really like how he preaches here, and, and he's just a really good orator, and I just like it. And they get all mixed up about people instead of Jesus Christ. He says, and then Paul said, who, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? They're ministers. They're ministers. That's all they are. They're, they're being vessels used of God. And, and while we need to reverence um, those positions at, at times, you know, we, we got to also realize that they're just men too. Amen. That they're just men too. You know what some people do is they, they put so much confidence in man. The Bible says that you shouldn't be doing that. But we put so much confidence in, in some preachers, and those preachers fall and, and stumble and, and mess up because they're just human. Amen? And then we, you know, it shakes our faith because we put so much trust in, that, in those individuals. And it's, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's good to reverence the, those positions, but you also got to realize that they're capable of doing anything that you can do. But he says, who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. And he goes on, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's God who's behind all of that. All right. So um, there's, there's uh, stunted growth. Um, like I said, the uh, church at Corinth, they were, they were about eight years old as a church around this time. And, uh, you know... If you look at, just look at a two-year-old, for example. We don't usually get mad at a two-year-old for being a two-year-old, right? There's, sometimes a two-year-old will um, get a marker and start writing on the walls and uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing, and obviously you correct that and, and make sure they know that that's not right to do. But the, initial fir the first time they do that, they don't know that they're doing wrong. They don't know that they're, you know, until you tell them they're doing wrong, and then they do it again knowing but if, you, but if an eight-year-old acts like a two-year-old, then there's a problem. 
When an eight-year-old starts to get the crayons and the markers and starts drawing on the walls and doing the things that he knows better uh, than to do, then, then that's the problem. You know what? There's nothing wrong. Um, we're going to get into the stages of growth, and the first one is a, is a newborn babe, a, babe, uh, a baby in, in Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ if, you're get, if you first get saved. But after that, there ought, to, there ought to be some growth. So there shouldn't be eight-year-olds or ten-year-olds trying to act like two-year-olds. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I find myself in that same, same uh, uh, position. You know, if you're honest with yourself, you do the same thing. You find yourself complaining and whining and acting like a baby sometimes. Um, but the Bible says, actually, uh, uh, keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. Go to, uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two. All right, so there's there's uh, first stage is a baby. It says in verse number one, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. So that's that's very similar to First Corinthians chapter three when he's talking about being carnal and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If, you, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So you know the first thing that, that babies need um, is milk. They need milk. They're not going to be able to survive on meat. You know that another thing is all babies are carnal. All babies are carnal. He said, uh, as, unto, uh, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babies in Christ. You know what that means? That babies cannot control their flesh. Uh, that's the very reason that we have diapers today. Is because babies cannot control their flesh. Babies will cry out. Babies will, uh, when they need attention, they'll cry. They can't, they can't feed themselves. They can't nourish themselves. They can't change themselves. That would be great if they could. Um, it's the same thing, you know, and I don't have any kids, but um, dogs are kind of similar. Um, when you first get a puppy... They think that they could just go wherever they want. It's like, oh, it's time for me to go. I'm just going to go right here on the floor. And then, but, but what you do is you, you take the dog and you take him outside and you show them that outside is where you want to do that stuff. Uh, not, not on the brand new carpet. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, babies, um, you know, they, they need a lot of attention. Babies need milk. You know, what, you know what a babe in Christ needs to do is learn to fall in love with the milk of the Word of God. It says desire the sincere milk of the Word. That, that ought to be a desire. They ought to learn to love that. Um, also, I, I said it before, but they can't, you know, they can't eat meat. They can't take it. Um, they're not able to bear that. Um, that's a part of growing. Once they get to a certain stage, they'll be able to take that. Um, so you feed them until they, uh, you feed them so that they will grow. And then eventually they'll be able to feed themselves in the future once they, once they grow up a little bit. So you give them milk. What is that? When, a, when someone first gets saved, what do you teach them? You teach them eternal security. You, you, you make sure that they know that you can't lose what you got. You cannot lose your salvation. Uh, if you wanted to lose your salvation, the Bible says in the uh, book of Timothy, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. 
You can't lose that if you wanted to. You're sealed into the day of redemption. You have the earnest of our inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. If you ever bought a house before, you know that there's an earnest money that has to be put down on the house. That's, that's a promise that says, that says I'm, I'm going to go all in on this purchase. I'm going to buy this house. You know what? Uh, our salvation isn't complete yet. Our salva- we're sealed into the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we're not going to be complete until we get our new bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so we have the earnest, that promise of our inheritance, of, of that new body, um, which is the Holy Spirit. The, uh, Jesus said, whom the, the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. I'm, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's a, that's a good promise and a good sign that you're saved is by, by uh, listening to the Holy Spirit, being able to discern things because the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. After you get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. We're the, we're, uh, the vessels of God. We're, the, we're um, the temple of God. The Bible says, what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You know, that's, that's what a baby should be learning is the milk of the word of God. Um, so eternal security, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know you have eternal life. If, you don't, if a newborn babe doesn't learn that he has eternal life after he gets saved, the devil's going to come whisper right in his ear, or right in her ear, and tell him that there's no way you meant that. There's no way you're living right. There's no way that you got that salvation. And they'll, they'll pluck it right up, just like the, the um, thorns that come up and choke the word of God. In the, in the book of Matthew and the, those parables there. Um, but you should teach them about eternal security. They, they need to know that they're saved. How about uh, baptism? Show them about baptism. Um, you know, that's, that's the first step of obedience. That's baptism. Uh, here's a fun one, tithing. Teach them about tithing. You ought to, you ought to uh, the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. I think tithing is part of that assembly. And if you're not tithing, uh, you know, and, and you could take this for what it is, but if you're not tithing, I, don't, I think that's, that's uh, forsaking the assembly. If you're not tithing. You know, um, it doesn't happen in every case, but a majority of the cases of Christians that leave churches, I guarantee if you uh, look, at their, look at their tithing records, they probably didn't tithe. You look at their, the Christians that caused the most trouble, the Christians that uh, were the neediest ones at the church, um, the ones that just kind of piggybacked on everything that was going on but didn't want to get involved with anything. They end up getting all flustered and mad over and it. And usually people don't leave over doctrinal issues anyway. I've, I've been alive 27 years, and I have not seen anyone leave over a doctrinal issue. Um, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure there has been in different churches, but... Uh, usually it's because someone was carnal and uh, they, were, they were babies. Uh, but teach them about tithing. How about the doctrines of Jesus Christ? How about his, show them his deity. Show them verses about the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Show them, show them who Jesus Christ was, um, his deity, his virgin birth. Um, show, teach them about the rapture, heaven, hell. Uh, teach them there's no purgatory. Amen? But you know what that is? That's, that's milk. Those, that's the things that when you get saved, you should, you should desire the sincere milk of the Word. Show them those things um, in the Word of God. Um, you know, I, I think of Brother Randall. I'll pick on him for a minute. Uh, you know, he, he got saved, and Pastor told me, he's like, now it's your, um, your turn to disciple him. 
And so you know what? We, have, we meet on uh, Monday nights and we go over that uh, doctrine, the new doctrines or doctrine for new converts, that little black book, and we're going through all these things um, that are in that book. You know what? I've, I've seen some growth from him. It's not, it's not because of me, but you see him desiring the sincere milk of the word. We were out to lunch today, and um, I saw him with a whole thing of, of chick tracks in his pocket. And we went up to the, uh, went, went up to the uh, hostess, and he's like, hey, I want to give you something. It's the greatest story ever told. Handed her a track. You know what that is? That's growth. That's what you ought to see in a, in a local church is when people get saved, um, they, ought to, they ought to get in and get discipled and start to grow and start to develop. Um, like I said, just like the other illustrations, if there's, there, you know, if there, you know your, your kid was supposed to be a certain height or your kid was supposed to be developed farther along than what they are, then you would start to worry about them. And you would take them to the doctor and see, you know, is there something going on with, the, with this child? Um, you know, because they're not, they're not growing properly. But it's a good, good, thing to, good thing to desire the sincere milk of the word. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're 23. It doesn't matter if you're 85 or 90 or, you know, however old Miss Buffin was. She was a babe in Christ the moment she got saved at the age of 80, whatever. She was a babe in Christ. And you know what? You control your growth. It's not, it's not necessarily like, like it is, like you, you know, going from 5 to 55 and, you know, go through every stage along the way. Uh, you're, you're in charge of the rate that you grow. If you're not in the Word of God, if you're not loving the Word of God, then you're not going to grow. And you could be saved for 15, 20, 30 years and be the same exact person that you were 15, 20, 30 years ago. And you haven't grown. It's, be, it's because you haven't gotten, gotten in the Word of God. You haven't desired that sincere milk of the Word. Go to 1 John chapter 2. We'll look at the next stage here. First John chapter 2, and we'll look at um, verse number 12. So the next one, after, after a babe in Christ, we got a little child. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. And uh, a little child, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to get, get a focus on, on Jesus Christ's name. There, it says that ye have known the, you've known the Father. You know what? A little child still needs adult supervision. You know, I, I remember you know, learning how to ride a bike and... and um, you know how when you were learning, your, your mom or dad had, had their hand on the back seat and you thought you were, you know, no training wheels, you're going right along. And, you know, you think you're doing it all by yourself, but really the, the you know, the parents really holding that up until you could learn to balance it. Um, you know, a little child, um, they want to be a little bit more independent. They think, you know, oh, I could, I could make my own food now. You know, I, I'll, I'll make breakfast. I'll do, I'll do the dishes. And, you know, and sometimes they, they mess it up all over the place and, you know, they're, they're trying to help, though. Um, and you see that in a little child. And uh, you know what? A, a little child, um, it, it goes past the uh, I'm, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos stage. Um, they're, they're past that baby stage now where that, those things no longer are relevant. It's, you know what? I'm, I'm focused on my walk with Jesus Christ and my personal growth and what God's doing in my life. Uh, for me to be focusing on what, uh, what this guy's doing or what that guy's doing. 
Um, but it's a, it's a little child. Um, we got young men in this passage here. And uh, it says here, I, I write unto you, uh, fathers, in verse 13, because you know him that is from the beginning, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto, and then uh, in verse number 14, I write unto you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You know what a young man, you start to develop uh, as a babe in Christ, and, and you're just getting, uh, getting the word of God, just some basic doctrine in. You're getting, getting taught some things. You become a, a little child, and um, you're beginning to mature a little bit more. Um, and then you become a young man or a young woman. Um, and it says that, it says that they, they were strong. You know, you, you get a little bit stronger. Um, you get a little bit more victory in the Christian life. Isn't it good to have victory? Isn't it good to have victory over certain sins that you've struggled with? And, and, and you're, you might struggle with uh, uh, the same sin for the rest of your life. But there ought to be some victories in, the, in your growth. So these young men, they're getting stronger. There's more victory, uh, stronger in the Lord. And um, it says that the word of God abides in them. You know, a little child gets a hold of his name. A young man, uh, he's learned that and he's learned to feed himself. He's passed, the, he's passed the milk, and he's continuing in the Lord. He's continuing to grow. Um, let's see here. And it, Like I said, the word of God, he said, the word of God abideth in you. You know what he's doing? He's fallen in love with the Bible. He's, uh, he, he loves to talk about doctrine. You know, learning, learning different doctrines and, you know, just discussing things that, oh, I found this nugget in the Bible, I found this, and he's calling it. You know, I remember uh, Brother Travis, you know, we, we used to talk on the phone for like three, four hours at times. You know, because he'd call me up and say, hey, I found this thing in the Bible, this is so cool, I can't believe this. And we'd go on just, you know, just fellowshipping in the Lord. And that's how it ought to be. You're starting to see some things. You're starting to understand some things, and, and you're, you're zealous uh, of the Word of God. Um, you, know, you, you also realize, you know, as a young man, you, you ought to realize that you're capable of going right back to where you first started if you're not careful because there's a zealousness about young men that's dangerous. There's a zealousness about being in that stage of your growth because you're just going wild with it. Sometimes you get the sword, of, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and you start cutting people up left and right because you're learning things in the Bible that, oh, man, everyone ought to know this, and you're, you're just slicing and dicing. But you're zealous. You, know, you don't have any bad intentions necessarily, but you're, you're doing a lot more damage than you, than you should. Then you got fathers in verse number 14. I've written unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. But that, that portion there, you've known him that is from the beginning. When you open up the Bible as a father, you no longer just see the doctrine. You start to see the Lord in everything. You start to see Jesus Christ on every single page. Whether you're reading in Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, all those, all those books that we make fun of sometimes, uh, you'll begin, you know, and it's, it's not always going to be like that, but you'll, you'll eventually begin to see like, man, you know, reading the book of Numbers, you see the disobedience of Israel, and you start to see, man, Lord, I'm, I'm just like that sometimes. 
the complaining and, and you know, you see what the Lord's doing with them. And, and it's, it's a blessing when you start to see things in that light in the Word of God as a father. But he no longer sees the doctrine only. He starts to see the face of God when he opens that book. He's no longer driving everyone away like the young man would. You know, you, you start to, you know, I've, I've been in this situation and, uh, you know, when my, when my family was getting right with the Lord and we were, you know, we had been coming to the church for a little bit and we were starting, you know, and we didn't know any better. My parents, you know, I started to get on my parents for things because I'm learning things, uh, you know, doesn't matter where, just, you know, either in, in school or um, from friends or whatever, but, it, you know, learning things about the Bible and I'm, I'm turning on my family. And it's nothing that I, you know, I'm not proud of doing that at all. There was a, um, you know, they, they had one of those movies. It was a high school musical. Um, and I went in and, you know, I came in the house and that thing was playing. And I took that thing out of the DVD player and snapped the disc. This, this isn't of God. And, uh, you know, I, I kinda, you know, think about when I was in that stage where I'm, you know, man, why don't you see this? It's right in the Bible. You know, Christian contemporary music, why can't you just see that that's not my place? You see, the Lord works all those things out. And I do more damage than I do help when I, when I act like that. And a lot of us have done that with our families too. We've been absolute jerks because we think that we have some higher ground because We've been exposed to something that they've never been exposed to. There's a way of life that they've been used to for so long. And then you get, you, you get some new nugget and you think that everyone ought to be in that same box that you, you want to put them in. That's wrong. That's wrong. But uh, you're no longer driving anyone away. When you get to that, when you get to, get to that next uh, phase of being, being a, a spiritual father in the Lord, um, you learn grace, you learn patience. Um, I'm still trying to learn that. I think we'll, we'll be learning that for a while. But uh, you start to learn those things. Um, go to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 15. And I hope this is a help to you tonight. We need to grow. We don't have much time left. Uh, Jesus Christ is coming back. We're right on the edge of this thing. You, you look and you see, the, uh, see all these revivals going on. They're not revivals, but you know, all these movements all over the world. You've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with these huge revivals. You know what? It's getting everything, everyone ready for an antichrist to come in. And you know, I, it, it's coming. Um, but we ought to be looking up. The Bible says, look up, our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus Christ is going to come back, get us out of here. We don't have to worry about, you know, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. As the preacher said, I'm looking for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but here in the book of Acts, uh, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived, he said in verse number 36 of Acts chapter 15, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do, see how they're growing. And Barnabas determined to take Paul, uh, take with them John, whose surname was Mark, 
But Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them in Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. You know how old Paul was here in the Lord? He was 19. He was 19 years old in the Lord when he did that. You know what? That, that's uh, what Paul did. It was, you know, people would view as, as an immature thing, as uh, breaking fellowship over, over someone, not having grace with John Mark. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's how we are a lot of times. Uh, we get to the place where we're, you know, if they're not living how we think they should be living, then we just cut ties with them completely. We don't have any grace with, with them when they're trying to grow. The fact that John Mark was still there, you think of that? He might have not went with them uh, on their previous journey, but John Mark wasn't out of the fight. John Mark, John Mark um, he probably wanted to go with them. But you know what? Paul got bitter about it, bitter about him not going with them on the last journey. He's like, you know what? He's not going to come. The contention was between them. There was the, the first church split you'll see in the Bible. It was between those two. And then it says that Paul chose Silas and departed. But uh, go, go, over to, um, go over to Hebrews chapter 13. And I'm almost done. Hebrews chapter 13. And just remember, Paul, you know, he was, he was 19 years old. He was, that, he was at that young man stage. All right, Hebrews... Chapter 13, look at verse number 9. It says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. You know what meat goes after? Is the brain, is your knowledge. And it's not, not bad, but you know what? Grace goes after the heart. It says, uh, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. You ought to have that grace. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, go there. Second Peter chapter 1, this is a, man, you could, you could have, have like a 10-week series on First Peter, or 2 Peter here. Um, on this passage, but um, we'll just skim over some of these things. But First Peter chapter one, or Second Peter, I'm sorry, chapter one, verse number four. It says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue." and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. You know what you just read in those few verses there was, these, was how to grow. How to grow. So what did you start off with in verse number uh, five? It says, add to your faith. What is that faith? That's when you first get saved, your salvation. Um, you get saved, you, you begin with that, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
And you know what? You start off as a newborn babe in Christ. And after, after you get that initial faith, you know what? You add to that faith, you add virtue. What's that? When you become a little child, you get that, uh, you get, you know, character. You, you, you learn, um, your parents try to teach you morals and teach you between right and wrong. And, and you try to learn some things. Living right, uh, you have that, you, you get that virtue. After you get that virtue, there's, it says, add to that knowledge. Uh, a lot of you are going, in, going through Bible school. You know what that is? That's, that's getting knowledge. I mean, you, go, you come to church. You come to Sunday school. You're getting knowledge. You go to the Thursday night Bible class. You're getting knowledge. The meat, it's, it's getting ingrained in you. You're, you're learning it. And after that, add to the knowledge temperance. There was a preacher that once said that temperance and zeal are at odds with each other. Um, that temperance, that, that temperance, that's going to be restraint. That's going to be understanding that you might have the right to do something or say something, um, but you're going to hold back. Um, you're going to be restrained. You're going to have some temperance about you. Um, but it's also a good thing to have zeal. But you see, as you're, as you're getting farther along in the growth process, um, you're, you're learning to be temperate about it. And to temperance, it says patience. Well, what does the Bible say about patience? Tribulation worketh patience. As you grow in the Lord, there's going to be some trouble coming. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some things that you will go through as a Christian. Um, and if you want to grow in him, then that, uh, that patience is something that you're going to have to, going to, have to work out. Um, you know, tribulation worketh patience. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews to run with patience the race that is set before you. Run your race. Um, you know, I, I, I've been taking uh, piano lessons. And um, the guy, guy that I'm seeing, he, he's like, Adam, you're going to be really bored for the first year. Because, you know, I've been playing piano for 15 years or more. And so now I'm, I'm subjecting myself to learning how to read music properly. And I'm going to be learning elementary things. And I'm going to be bored doing it. But you know what? It's needful for me to do that. Because if I don't do that, I can't, I can't excel any farther than where I'm at. I can't get any farther. Um, if I want to learn a, learn a classical piece, I'm not going to be able to because I, I can't read the music that, uh, that fast. But he said there's going to be a... He, he said, first of all, he's, he's um, a Chinese teacher. He was a, he was a conductor of the, Chi, uh, the Beijing Philharmonic Orchestra for seven years. And then he conducted the uh, Dayton Philharmonic Orchestra. And so he, he knows what he's talking about, but he said, Adam, you're, you're, you always want to learn from the previous generation. It's like, if you want to learn anything, you, get, you find someone from the previous generation and you learn from them because they learned from someone from their previous generation who learned from their previous generation. You don't want to learn anything from someone who's a contemporary. And that was, that was profound. Um, and then another thing he, he said was, you know, he had me bring in my books that I had take, I'd taken lessons in the past. And I brought in those books, and, he, and he's like, those aren't, those aren't good. <laughs> he's like, those, were, those will almost teach you how to not read music because they try to dumb everything down so much. And, um, and he did it in a Chinese way. Like, you know, uh, um, I'm trying to think of that movie, um, not Kung Fu Panda. It was uh, karate, karate Kid, Karate Kid. You know, when you have, uh, when you have uh, the one with Will Smith, I haven't seen the old one, but the one with Will Smith's son or whatever, 
and uh, you have you have Jackie Chan in there, and he he has a coat rack, and this this kid he's just a little disrespectful punk, and he comes in there and he throws his jacket on the ground, and he has a coat hanger right next to it, but he he throws the jacket on the ground like all you had to do was just put it on there, so for for a long time he would have him come in instead of training, you know he's try, he wants to learn kung fu, he wants to learn karate or whatever. And so he comes in, and, and the first thing Jackie Chan tells him is to pick up his jacket and throw it on the coat rack. He's like, all right, now take it back off, throw it on the ground, pick it up, put it back on the coat rack. And he did that, and, and he was, this, this little kid, he was furious. He was, he was really mad. But after, like if you fast forward a little bit, um, he ends up uh, learning, the, learning karate, and, and he was doing the same moves as it would be for picking, taking off the jacket, throwing it on the ground. And, and it was really cool how that all came together, but it, it, there had to be patience, and there had to be that tribulation of him. Man, I, I just want to get to learn kung fu. I just want to learn karate. I just want to learn the piano. I just want to get better at it. I want to I excel. I want to be all the way out here. But if you're not willing to grow slowly and run with patience the race that is set before you, if you're not willing to do that, then you're never going to make it to where you want to be. Amen. You're never going to make it to where God wants you to be. And so there's that patience. And then uh, to patience, it says, um, and to patience, godliness. What's that? Simply just uh, being godlike. Um, being like, Being like the Lord. Um, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to write this down, Jonah chapter 4 and verse 2, Joel chapter 2 and verse 13, there's five things that God is. And I, I challenge you to look at those things. And um, that, that's Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, and Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it describes who God is. Um, and to godliness, it says brotherly kindness. We ought to, you know, the Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Someone does something against you, forgive them. Why? Because for God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If he's forgiven you, you ought to be forgiving other people. There ought to be some brotherly kindness. And, and you know what that leads to at the end here is, is charity. There's that verse that talks about faith, hope, and charity. It says the greatest of these is charity. A love in action. Um, go back to uh, go to Second Timothy chapter four. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter four, and verse number eleven. So this is. Six years after that incident in Acts chapter 15 that we just read with Paul breaking fellowship over John Mark. So Paul is now 25 years old in the Lord. And um, 2 Tim Timothy chapter 4 verse 11, he said, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He had a whole change of, of attitude. He's not a young man anymore. He's, in, he's into that father stage now where he has patience and he understands that, you know, for whatever reason, people might fall out by the way and people might 
fail and, and mess up. And he's, you know, he's already written Romans chapter 6 and 7 where he's, you know, talking about, oh, wretched man that I am. And he's starting to realize those things. And, uh, you know, I, that which I would do, I do not, and all those things. And he's like, you know what, that's, that's how I was. And I need to have, and God had some grace with me. God had some mercy with me. I'm going to have some grace and mercy with John Mark. He's going to be profitable for me. I'm going to give him a chance. He started to learn some things. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you? Amen. Just like that uh, song they sang, I'm so glad that somehow he thought I was worth it. We're nev- we'll never understand that. As, as messed up as we are, we're still worth it in his eyes. And uh, the last thing here after the, the um, stage, stages of growth, and we didn't go through everything, there's more to that, but um, for sake of time, go back, just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You say, what's the significance of growth? I, I'd like to say that's the judgment seat of Christ. That's, that's, a, that's a reason why you ought to grow. Uh, the whole reason why we're here, you know what, is to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And there's, there's something here in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says in verse number 10, um, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man buildeth thereon. That's that first, first Peter or Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5 where it's adding things. You're, you have a foundation after you get saved. That foundation is Jesus Christ, and you're building on that foundation. And he says now, for uh, other foundation, verse 11, can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. And there's a lot that we could go into with that. We're not going to go into it for sake of time. But that's a really good study um, about these things that, are gonna, that we could win, the, the crowns that we could win, um, the things that we can do for Jesus Christ. But it says in verse 13, If every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Not of how much, it, how much you did, um, but what, what sort it is, your motives. That's what God's after. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You know what I want to do tonight? I want to grow at the pace that God wants me to grow. And I want to be able to have a work that's going to abide at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and I'll close with this. At camp, we have, uh, at, at the end of the uh, week, we always have the uh, uh, boat building competitions. And those, that, that's probably the best uh, game that we have there, the best um, uh, challenge that we have is, is we build cardboard boats. Um, or we get all this cardboard, we build the cardboard boats, and we can only use duct tape and a couple other things, and we take it out to the lake, and we have to see which one's going to make it. And um, we're all given the same amount of material. We're all given equal opportunity, um, but some boats, they sink almost instantly. There's all sorts of leaks. There's all sorts of uh, things that go wrong um, in, in the way that they built those boats. And there's some, some boats that, that my wife makes that are really good, and they never sink. Um, but you think about that, that's going to be how the judgment seat of Christ is going to be. Right now, you're building your boat. Right now, you're, 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 you're building on a foundation that's been laid. You're building thereupon something that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago at Calvary. You're building on that right now. 
And when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I want my boat to float. Amen? Amen. And it's going to go through a fire. You know, I want something to remain after that. I, I want some gold, silver, precious stones. And like I said, there's, there's a lot to be said about those, the gold, silver, precious stones. You could study, study that out for a long time. And the wood, hay, and stubble. You know, wood uh, being a type of the flesh. You know, you look at, at Genesis uh, where it's first mentioned, the Bible said, God said, this shall be the end of all flesh. And then he asked Noah to build an ark of wood, of gopher wood. And you could make all these different types and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, is you ought to be desiring, desiring to grow. And um, that's my challenge to you tonight, um, preacher, I'm done, um, is to grow. And examine yourself and see where you are. And if you're not in a place where you need to be, then, then get it right with the Lord and to grow. Amen?